Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Heart of Markness Led Zeppelin podcast. I'm Mark and I am talking to, or what I will be talking to, or what I did is I have spoken to. There we go. And you will soon hear my conversation with James Cook of Led Zeppelin News. He has a new subscription service on Substack where he does these deep dive journalistic investigations into things like the origin and ownership trail of the Royal Albert Hall film, which ties into the Bath 1970 film and Led Zeppelin's 1977 tax structure. So they didn't have to pay any money on all that money they earned and uh, more and more and more. Jimmy Page's dragon suit. There's all kinds of things. All right, let's jump in and listen to James. He's a good boy, and I like him very much. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, James. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, it's, it's been quite the week. My gosh. Um, yeah, it's it's been a lot, but I've been looking forward to this chat for a while, so thank you for making time. It's much appreciated. Oh, happy to do so. Boy, you have really, really come up with some neat stuff. All by accident. All by <laughs> accident. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to claim there was some grand plan to figure out what happened. Um, I, it's a complete happy accident was this new story about these suits, um, and it just sort of fell into my lap, and I thought, well, that's that's a fun one. Nice. How did that fall into your lap? That was just something you came across? Well, yeah, so I, I've been very annoying. So I've had a month uh, off between jobs. So I start my new job tomorrow morning, so, um, which is exciting, daunting. And I thought, well, in this month, instead of doing something sensible, like relaxing uh, or taking time <laughs> off or anything fun like that, I'll devote that month to Led Zet News. Um, and as part of that, I've been sending out very annoying freight information requests to all and sundry just fishing for stuff, basically. And the VNA uh, has this bizarre Egyptian suit. And I sent them a request to be like, send me documents related to the Egyptian suit, not expecting anything substantive. And they came back with, you know, 40 pages of files about, you know, the swap for the poppy suit. I was like, what What the hell? Like, no, yeah, I wasn't asking for that. I was absolutely fascinated. So then I sent another request, and that's how the whole sort of thing came into my lap with the dragon suit and the poppy suit and the sort of full story was there. I didn't know it happened. I wasn't looking for that. So it was a happy accident there. That is so interesting. And that mm-hmm. the the suit, the I guess the Egyptian suit, not the poppy suit and not the dragon suit, that uh, other one – it rang a bell. I think I might have seen a picture once or twice, but it, I hadn't heard about it. It kind of vanished in the mists of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange one. So yeah, it's been it's been fun to dig into that and then went to the museum for comment and they came back with this bizarre statement calling him Sir Jimmy Page. Uh, and <laughs> he's, not, he's not Sir Jimmy Page. Uh so that was absolutely bizarre. Um so it's been it's been a, a bit of a weird journey, but um it feels to me like the most heart of Mark and his story that I could do. So that's why I thought, well, it's it's good for you and I to <laughs> chat for you this one. I agree. Yes, and it's brilliant. And hey, kudos for the substack idea brilliant thank you yeah it's been going really well um it's been quite nice to sort of experiment with you know podcasts and little fun things or 
actually the thing that did the best was like an analysis of like Robert Plant's solo career, like what projects are currently happening. I think like 10 or 12 people like paid for subscriptions off the back of that, which is really nice. So that says to me, they don't want news from Led Zeppelin News. They want analysis, <laughs> which, yeah. which we need to start doing. That's excellent. And I love it. I love everything that you're doing. I love all those Robert Plant projects and Saving Grace. Oh my gosh, I hope he comes to the States because there's just something magical about that. Yeah, I, I really like Saving Grace. I saw them uh Belfast in October. Um, yes, and it's a that's really right. special, really special sort of musical outfit. You can tell he's really enjoying it. Uh that's why he's you know trademarked it. The album's on its way. They released that single. I've heard it. It's it's very good, it's very interesting. It's not a live recording, it's a studio recording. So yeah, fingers crossed an album happens. I'm assuming next year at this point, not this year. Brilliant. Oh, that'll be so great. I'm so glad that he's still creating compelling brilliant joyous content yes well no there, there was a, i had to make an editorial decision today about robert plum as there was a video of him in the street in italy coming upon a like a led zeppelin poster and someone says you know what do you think when you look at it and he was like i don't care it means nothing to me and i was like oh am i gonna write about that probably and it was it was like very unguarded candid comments about led zeppelin by robert plum which comes after he's, you know, stacked the Saving Grace set list with four new Led Zeppelin covers. It's a little right. bit awkward. And I thought, should I do a separate story about that? I could probably get, you know, tens of thousands of views, get a lot of people very angry. And I thought, it's not, it's not really worth it to do that. Yeah, it would be, it would, it would be inflammatory kind of. And, and I mean, I think any, any, even a casual Led Zeppelin fan knows that that's how he feels. Yeah, and I think it, it wasn't an interview setting, and he was probably just being a bit sort of flippant, you know, yeah. to seem like random people in the streets sort of bothering him and asking him about it. So I thought, you know what, I, I don't really want to get in trouble. Also because, you know, Robert Plant does have publicists who do reply to me. Like, there is some level of, like, people there who I can talk to, and I, I don't really want to break down that fledgling relationship for the sake of, you know, one article there. No, that's wise. Yeah, I could I could see that door being shut. And you don't want that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the same with the other band members. I mean, I'm at the point where do I write a letter to John Paul Jones's accountant? I, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, it, it's got to that point there. I would so love, that's always been my little pipe dream is to get an interview like this with Jonesy and just talk. But I, Yeah, he, there's this mysterious Twitter account, which is like at John Paul Jones, which I really think is. John Paul Jones on Twitter. If you look at the people he follows, it's like opera singers that I know he performs with. No one else knows he's done this opera. And like all the clues suggest it's him. And for a long time, that account followed two accounts. One was an obscure electronic music news website, which is very John Paul Jones. Yes. The other was Led Zeppelin News. <laughs> uh, he no longer follows Led Zeppelin News because Led Zeppelin News was hacked several years ago and turned into Caravan News and they blocked John Paul Jones, which made him unfollow. Oh, uh, no. Which was, <laughs> which was a fun day. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'd be the most willing to do a chat. It's just, it's really difficult to reach John Paul Jones. I've discovered, does he does he even have representation anymore? Uh, there's Sam, who runs the Led Zeppelin Forum, also does his website. To my knowledge, there isn't like a, a manager there. Mm. Um, Sam runs his online presence. But beyond that, I don't think there's anyone really doing it. There was that interview a while ago where they said, you know, do you want to do another solo album? And he said, like, I can't be asked. Like, he, he, there's not <laughs> much going on there. I bumped into his 
wife in a basement club in London and asked her about her. I was quite drunk. I don't really remember what I said. And she just sort of <laughs> laughed about all his various projects. So I'm I'm not sure there's any sort of driving management team. Uh, mm. He's so interesting. And I, I think of of the triumvirate that's left, he would be the one that would probably be the least guarded and most candid about anything you would ask. I think so. I think, you know, Robert Plant has this habit of sort of talking in riddles slightly yes. and pivoting to jokes about a lot of things. And it's quite rare you'll get him to give a straight answer. I think John Paul Jones would give a straight answer. Um, Jimmy Page, uh, very difficult to, <laughs> to reach. So, um, yeah, it's, I think this story about, you know, Jimmy Page's suits is, you know, I would love to have talked to him about this. I imagine it's interesting to him, this saga. You know, I don't think he's aware of, you know, their internal museum correspondence here that he would never have known, but it's just, there isn't that relationship with him there. Mm. That is a good angle though. That would, that might be a good angle to get a little bit of leverage if you can get some purchase, you know, get, catch a corner of his interest because <laughs> that's not, you know, it's not the, 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 hackneyed you know when you're going to reunite it's not going to be when's the next zeppelin thing it's something coming at him from an oblique angle that he may engage with uh, i think so and i think for me i think i almost see it as like a trilogy of stories there was the the peter whitehead 1970 filming story and then there oh, was yeah. the 1977 sort of tax network story and then this one there's a free you know multi-thousand word stories that are you know journalism that's not being done about Les zeppelin by and large that I think hopefully people will pay attention to and think, hey, we need more of this. And, you know, that's me sort of putting my head above the parapet and saying, look, this is how it could be done. If, you know, if you open the archives, if you chat to people, if you give us access, we could do really interesting things with the material that we know that the band has. Absolutely. And that's the dream. Just crack open that vault and. Yeah, I mean, one story that, you know, I've started writing but haven't got too far on is, and not a lot of people know this, in, in 2016, when the Stairway to Heaven copyright case happened, in Los Angeles, in the trial, they played the tapes of Stairway to Heaven being written to mm. the courtroom. Those nice. tapes, some of them have come out in bootlegs over time. And I, I've paid to get the transcript of Jimmy Page in court explaining what each tape is, you know, narrating the writing process of Stairway to Heaven, being like, well, wow. this is me going it to John Paul Jones. That what you just heard is Robert Plant doing the lyrics. You can move through and explain now how this song was written because they have the Headley Grange tapes. And that's what they're referred to in the courtroom is the Headley Grange recordings. So they have all this material, which is absolutely fascinating. So stuff exists in the Led Zeppelin camp, but it's not being used or released or analyzed it's sort of filed away essentially which is 100 percent they're right but so vexing <laughs> it, it is vexing and, and a question i get a lot is why why do led zeppelin news right like the band has not really done anything since 1980 right is, is one way to look at it and one of the ways that i answer that question is well you see that with helen grant selling her stake in the band in the yeah ownership of Led Zeppelin is going to change hands over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And who's to say that the new owners of the band's music and documents don't want to do something with it? I think we're at a point where we can start to see some movement there. And I think we saw that with uh, a few months ago when Jimmy Page put out that demo on his website. I want to say it was a demo for the Rain song. You can crack me there, Mark, which is really yes. interesting. Um, because it was Jimmy Page releasing a Led Zeppelin demo tape 
on his own personally, not through Led Zeppelin, hinting that there's this sort of archive of things to come, maybe, that didn't come out in the remastered uh, albums. That was really interesting to me now. That was, I forgot about that. That was beautiful. That was an almost complete piece. And yeah. uh, I remember the, the controversy over whether or not it was Jimmy playing the Mellotron parts. And Yeah, so my understanding is that was owned by Jimmy personally. It wasn't part of the Led Zeppelin estates because it was him doing everything at home. So he owned the copyright to it and he could release it himself through his website. And at the time I was told, look, there's more, you know, this isn't one track. There's other stuff that he could release, but essentially just hasn't gotten around to doing it. And that to me is really interesting that there is stuff there that there's no reason that can't be out in the world. So that's why, you know, we, we should lobby hard for that and fingers crossed, you know, it does come out over time. Oh, absolutely. I would love to see something like the, um, the Pete Townsend scoop series. Mm he released a series of albums in the eighties, maybe even up through now of the who demos and things that he's done. And like the rain song, some of them are fully formed and fleshed out pieces that are then just transcribed over to the band. And Oh my gosh, I would love to see Jimmy do something like that. Yes. We should lobby hard. (laughs) We should. And and what I would say is like, the band pays attention to fan reaction to stuff. There is a bit of a disconnect between, you know, fans online talking on Facebook and, and the band. They don't really know that there's this real appetite and, and huge reception when this stuff comes out. You know, and I've sort of through sources on my network said, look, people love this. They're eating this up. Do more, you know, and, and have to try and explain that to people. And hopefully, you know, if there is that reception, then, then more stuff does come out there. My gosh, I would love that. If there's any, <laughs> if you can point me in a direction where I can ring a bell, I will happily do so because that would, yeah, that would be the big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's why, you know, looking into things like Jimmy Page's outfits, like what might be considered a niche story. I think if, if enough interest and, and time is spent looking into these things, then perhaps more comes out into the world. And I've seen that with, you know, I'll write, for example, we did the 1970 filming story. More people come out of the woodwork or perhaps someone I spoke to initially didn't remember much. They start to remember more. And I think the more spotlight is is put on these things that hopefully the more attention and um, material comes out. That's brilliant. Would you mind doing just a over an overview of the Peter Whitehead story, just in case yeah. people who are listening don't know? Yeah, 100%. So 1970, um, you know, January 1970, Led Zeppelin perform at Royal Albert Hall, Jimmy Page's birthday. It's the night he meets Charlotte Martin. It's this amazing historic concert. They hired, via Stanley Dorfman, who was the producer of of Top of the Pops, they hired Peter Whitehead, the film director, to film the show. Um, And that was it. It was just to film the show, kind of for their own use. Maybe they might use it for something down the line. Uh, they didn't really like the performance. It didn't go that well. So then they did Bath Festival later in 1970, big outdoor show. They were really excited for it. Flew in via helicopter, hired Peter Whitehead again to do it. He gets stuck in traffic, misses them arriving, but does shoot them on stage. And, and that footage, you know, has emerged in part there. And we basically spoke to a lot of the people involved in that filming. My personal victory was I got Stanley Dorfman on the phone. He's in his 90s, he was, you know, I think he was in hospital or something when I spoke to him. Like, And he said, look, there was never a film about Led Zeppelin in the works in 1970. There wasn't this feature-length idea that has sort of come into myth over time. 
the band wanted the filming. We hired Peter Whitehead. That was it. And what we did was we we obtained documents from Peter Whitehead's archives held at a university here in the UK, which were like the original film lab receipts from 1970, allowing us to analyze what was filmed and when, and sort of pieced all that together to tell the story of the filming in 1970, which just hasn't been done before. No one's ever looked into this. So it was really interesting to, to delve into that. That was crazy. And then with that bath footage coming out not too long ago, stellar, stellar footage. And that's one that I've been hearing about the 40 plus years I've been a fan is that Bath is this amazing supernal performance where all the fates aligned and to see it and to hear it kind of um, <laughs> just, it, it brings such joy and such a, a rapacious hunger for more. And just, yeah. I, want, I just want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them and just figure out a way to get this released. Every other band on the planet can get it done yeah. and these guys oh my gosh love them but. yeah i mean what i can say is on the bath footage you know there is some of it is on youtube other bits of it you know exist but it's not on youtube you know so there is more that you know if you pay the license you can purchase the right to, to view the bath footage and use it in your own documentary or whatever i hope it ends up in becoming led zeppelin i, I don't know for sure that it is my understanding is the current cut of Becoming Led Zeppelin has interesting footage in it that wasn't in the original cut that was uh, screened at Venice a couple of oh. years ago. Hopefully we we get some interesting things there. Oh, that's wonderful. I forgot about that. Yeah, Everybody. a lot of people have forgotten about this film. Um, I'm hoping that end of this year we'll start to see some movement around that. My understanding based on a couple of sources is there's there's some interesting stuff in this film now that perhaps wasn't there before when people viewed it. So I'm optimistic and I'm excited. Yay. Can you do you have anything you can divulge? Uh I think if you read what I've been reporting recently on the filming in 1970, I think that probably points you in the right direction of what might be in that film. And that's probably as much as I can say there. Excellent. So confirmed Pontiac 77. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. If only, no kidding. That is just it's it's such because of people like you and Eric Levy and these other folks who are just bringing a renaissance, a literal renaissance to Led Zeppelin fandom. It's an ideal time to be a fan, oddly enough, 50 years plus years after the inception and 40 plus years after the end. And it, it, it's odd. Yeah. And I like, I was sat this morning writing the like weekly Led Zeppelin News email and like there's the new Dallas 1977 video, there's the new Vancouver 1971 tape, like, and that's just in the past week. And that yeah. to me is kind of mind blowing that the pace of stuff coming out is still strong. Like there is still material coming out and you can be a Led Zeppelin fan in the current time period and, and following the news about the band it's not like it's all in the past and that to me is very exciting it's brilliant i cannot wait to see the next five years will probably be very interesting i think so i think so i think we'll find out you know who buys helen grant's stake yeah i don't think that will be i imagine it'll be an investment um if you're an investor you know what do you do you lobby for stuff to be released you know because you want to monetize that stake you want albums to be sold and material to be put out there Let's say Warren Grant sells his stake. Let's say, you know, band members sell up as well. You start to have, you know, quite heavy pressure for stuff to come out there. And we've never had that before. It's always been the band members and their estates controlling it and saying, that's enough, largely. 
Now the stake Helen had, was it 10%? Yes, that's nice. right. Yeah. A significant chunk. I wonder, is that the same? You may not know. This is just, mm. you know how like um, artists like Bob Dylan sell mm. off their, yes. is, is it that similar kind of thing? Or is it a literal, like you own a piece of the enterprise? Yeah, so I, I dug into this because it's, it was very unclear for a long time whether it's in, basically includes like publishing rights and decision making over you know where the music is used. My understanding is it's basically a chunk of the royalties. You know, it's a ten percent chunk of certain albums from Led Zeppelin and also Bad Company as well, which I, I found out. Oh, there interesting. Is no, yeah, which is really interesting and, and has never been reported. Um, there was no decision-making power in that 10% chunk. You can't buy that and start to say, hey, Jimmy Page, release this <laughs> material. You can't do it. But what I was told is, you know, you get a seat at the table, you at least perhaps could talk to them, you know, uh, whether it's worth the millions of dollars you end up paying for it. I don't know. Um, I've spoken to people who have been in talks to purchase that stake. Um, it's not very appealing to them because it's essentially you receive royalties every month. That's, that's all it is. Gotcha. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Oof. So, what do you have on your plate, sir? Coming up. What do I have on my plate? I had. I had a really if you scary. Can. Yeah, I, I can tell you. Um, I had a really scary letter in the post uh, about two weeks ago from the FBI. Oh my uh, gosh. Which like terrified me because it just it was just addressed to me. It was like James Cook, and it was from the Department of Justice and the FBI, and it like came to my door. I'm like, oh God, what have I done? Uh, and I opened it up. And it was, um, so basically what I've been doing is I want to find out who stole the money from the Drake Hotel in 1970. Oh, yes. Uh, because I, I, you know, I was between jobs for a month. What else am I going to do? Uh, so I filed three different records requests with the FBI uh, related to the Drake Hotel. And every single one of them, they said, we don't have anything, which is frustrating. Uh, so they don't hold any records on Richard Cole, Peter Graham, or on the robbery itself the New York Police Department will come back to me in December and let me know whether they have anything. Although in Mark Blake's book about Peter Grant, he claims or, or cites someone claiming the NYPD files have been lost, which is interesting to me. So mm. I want to dig around on the Drake Hotel robbery in 1973 because it's interesting to me, especially in light of the story I did about the band putting together this network in 1977 to reduce their tax bill you start to view this potential robbery of $180,000 in cash in perhaps a different light. Oh, fascinating. Mm, because if oh. the money was taken out of the US, physically removed, then no no taxes were paid on those concert takings to the IRS, uh, which starts to be you know not a legitimate business tactic, but you can see why there would be a business reason to do that by the band. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that is a gutsy move, but I can see them doing that. You can see them doing it, and, and that's alluded to in, in Bob Spitz's uh, Led Zeppelin biography. He cites several sources who told him it was an inside job. Uh, that was his claim, which is interesting, um, and I'd love to figure out how close can we get to solving that. You know, Especially relevant is the fact that Richard Cole is now dead. Uh, you cannot libel the dead in the UK. Um, you can't do it. So we shall see. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. Yes. <laughs> I had never put, I'm going to reread that sub stack about the taxes and in the light of what you just said. 
Yeah, so that, that was a story that was up on, on the website, is that one about, so this is like this network of businesses and it's this incredibly intricate, pioneering network of companies that was put in place, as it seemed put in place for Led Zeppelin's 1977 US tour to allow them to basically pay no tax on all the ticket sales from that tour, uh, which was, and they got the US government to sign off on its legality, which is really interesting. They went to great lengths to make sure the US government was happy and it was legal to not pay tax, uh, which is very interesting to me when you reconsider the Drake Hotel robbery, which was, you know, I think it was three nights, Madison Square Gardens ticket takings were in that box and the money vanished, you know, which is fascinating to me. That's just crazy. That, that, that sounds like a heist movie. Yeah, and there's there's various sort of claims about, you know, a hotel porter vanished to Jamaica or Puerto Rico, and it, it, it doesn't really make sense. These crazy stories and explanations that have come out there were two keys to the safety deposit box, one held by the hotel, one held by Richard Cole. That's it. There were two keys. So it's one or the other. Yeah. Occam's razor. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the current story working on other things looking at. The, the Mr. Jimmy film uh, came out two days ago, September 1st. Mr. Jimmy came out. I've seen it. It's great fun. It's really good. I need to write up a review of that. I spoke to Mr. Jimmy. I spoke to the film's director. I need to actually sit down and, and write that. But it's... um a really interesting film about obsession um, and the nature mm. of it and also sort of cultural differences between the US and Japan. It looks amazing. I mean, he's of course an incredible, an incredible performer and he mm. nails it. He captures that, the vibe, that essence, which is really interesting because it could very, it could very easily go in a, a satirical kind of Elvis impersonator way, but it doesn't. Yes, and and the film has that as well, and that the film treats it very seriously and intentionally doesn't stray into like comedy and satire. Uh, and that's why I sort of said to the director, and he said, "Yeah, look, you know, I love Led Zeppelin, I love bootlegs, I love this obsessive tribute band culture, and it, it holds out very seriously as, as a debate on musicianship and collecting and." What I'd love to find out, you know, I'm, I'm a certain age now, I'm 29 with a, a wife and a kid, is, is what does his wife feel about him moving to America to try and become Jimmy Page? Um, it seems that she's pretty supportive, but that's what I want to know. Uh, oh, yeah. so, wow. <laughs> That'll be a discussion after dinner. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, that, that's what's on my plate at the moment. Um, the, the the dragon and poppy suit story hung around for a while because it's, you know, it's 73 pages of of letters, you know, about Jimmy Page's clothes to delve through and sort of get a timeline of what happened and when, and you know, that took a while, but it's, it's nice to get that one out in the world now. It's remarkable. And we, the fandom, owe you a lot of thanks for actually coming up with and creating, using honest and true journalistic practices, these mm. real, solid, canonical, authoritative articles on all this really cool stuff that is so professionally put together you're doing all the, the legwork and it's just a joy to see what comes out next i love it well thank you Mark. no I, I appreciate that and i think for me it's in part a reaction to like if you google led zeppelin you get a load of crap come mm. up uh, from like blogs being like you know the one song robert plant hated and it's you know an interview you gave 15 years ago taken out of context like there's a lot of bad journalism about led zeppelin around especially at the moment with you know a vacuum of new material or interviews coming out and i think this is in part me trying to sort of course correct that and say actually you know what there are interesting stories to tell 
Um, and I think, you know, I'd, I'd welcome, you know, if anyone has ideas on, on what we should look into or wants to collaborate, you know, I published a piece recently on the filming in, in Shepin's studios in 1974, not written by me, someone else wrote that. And that was really nice to have someone else on the website digging into a story. We published a previously unseen photo of the band being filmed in 74. So if people have ideas or tips or things they want to sort of dig into, I'm all ears on, on how we can collaborate and work together on that. Beautiful. And if someone listening does have a tip or an idea, how would they get that to you? Just the Twitter? Uh, email is probably easiest, which is ledzepnews at gmail.com. Um, drop me a note. Let's talk. Um, you know, figure out, you know, are there, you know, I'll give you an example. So the, the story about tax in 1977 came about because someone nudged me and said, hey, look at this Facebook post. You you know, you missed this company related to Led Zeppelin, which was, you know, this SNL Dutch business. And, and that was it. That was a tip. You know, look at this. You know, here's an interesting thing. You know, and I go down the rabbit hole from there and, you know, hopefully good things come out. Not always, but hopefully. <laughs> so even if it's just a nudge of, hey, did you know about this? Or have you ever thought to look into this? That sort of thing actually is really useful. Neato. I wonder if there's anything. One of my personal things is I would love to hear something from the, uh, I think, January 77 rehearsals at Manticore Studios. Mm. All those cool rockabilly looking pictures and things. I yeah. I One of my sort of dream stories to write would be like, here's, here's how we got hold of this tape, you know, and you very rarely get a proper account of, for example, the Led Zeppelin two multi-track tapes yeah. came out. Like the story I remember is like someone, there was like a deal on the table and the, the bits that came out were like the sample being like, Hey, here's the proof that we've got it. They were leaked and the entire deal fell apart. And I love that sort of insidery stuff. And I'd love to find, you know, whether it's the rehearsals at Manticore, whether it's the, you know, Led Zeppelin Black Sabbath jam, like yeah. the engineer who's got these tapes squirreled away and how far can we get on putting them out into the world? And that Fairport convention gig they did at the Troubadour, maybe? Yeah, that sounds remember. right. You know, these big sort of white whales almost, like how close can we get to putting them out in the world? You know, and sometimes the sort of journalistic route in is is perhaps better than the sort of trader or hoarder route in. Like I've found that emailing people saying that I'm a journalist, I'm writing about this. I'm not here to steal your tapes or sell them on or whatever. I'm just here to put the light of the day onto this after 50 years. Sometimes that shakes things loose that other approaches wouldn't. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Not going in with that kind of vampiric, shiny eyed hunger. <laughs> yeah. the yes. Just that's it, it can brilliant. be tough. You know, I, I, I refer to there was this woman named Jenny McPhee who, you know, tried to do a deal in the nineties to release Peter Whitehead's Royal Albert Hall footage uh, and she was hinted at in some of the documents. So I spent a, lo- a while trying to track her down, eventually found her in retirement in Thailand uh, and emailed her. And she came back being like, you win the award for, you know, detective work for tracking me down. <laughs> and name's different. You know, she'd split from her husband, changed her name, moved to Thailand and retired. I was like, hello. <laughs> and you could see she was like, who the hell is this guy? And how has he found me? Uh, and eventually, you know, said, look, I'd love to know what happened in the 90s. And her memories are so vivid of peter whitehead double crossing her essentially oh. uh because she put a deal on the table to in the 90s which is way before 2003 sell the royal albert hall footage to led zeppelin so they could release it without her knowledge peter whitehead during the page and plant tour sells it to a private collector someone else 
So then she calls him up and says, hey, Peter, you ready to do the deal with Led Zeppelin? And he's like, oh, actually, I've, I've done a deal with someone else. Oh. And she said, she said, I can still remember where I was sitting when that phone call happened. She said, I felt so stupid, you know, because he had done the deal behind my back, essentially. And that's these great sort of vivid remembrances come out sometimes when you say, look, I just want to shine a journalistic light on this period there. That's amazing. Dude, you have some good stories, my friend. <laughs> it, I mean, like, there's, a, there's a lot of good stories. You know, there's a lot of good stuff to, to come out still. It, it just, it takes a lot of work. You know, freedom of information requests have, have given a lot of interesting stuff recently. I'm kind of out of ideas. You know, where do I send these requests to? What, what do I do? I've, I've exhausted the FBI. Uh, maybe there's other places I should look. I don't know. But if people have ideas, I am very happy to, to, to work on this stuff. Excellent. You hear that, everybody? Think of some things. Think of some good ideas. Nothing stupid. And send it. Send it to Tell James. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yay. Brilliant, my friend. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we eject? I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts, Mark, on the tunic that was donated to the to the VNA. Because uh, to me, it's the most bizarre and absurd outfit. And I've no idea where it's from and what it is. And you are the expert on all things Jimmy Page. Uh, so I <laughs> to you. Um, so basically, when the uh, when it, when Jimmy Page wanted a dragon suit back in 1989, he did a swap and got the dragon suit back in return for this absurd tunic and a pair of snakeskin boots. And it's described as stage worn. And to the life of me, I have no idea where this thing was worn. It's I don't crazy. Think it was. Right. I, I mean, I assume it's like late 60s, like Yardbirds. You know, it looks bizarre. It's got this cocktail glass on it, like a leopard's head, love hearts. It's the most bizarre outfit in the entire world. And I'd love to know more about it. It is. And I mean, Jimmy, when left to his own devices, will definitely dress himself garishly. But yeah. <laughs> but that one, yeah, that's got to be 60s. That, that, that doesn't have any of the cool esoterica. It's just kind of... It's just weird 60s stuff. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if someone out there has, you know, a collection of photos of Jimmy Page and the Yardbirds and this appears in this. I'd, I'd love to know. That to me was, and it kind of annoys me, right? Because I want to uh, explain what this thing is. I don't know when this was worn, you know. So that that's a sort of mystery out there. It, I believe it's currently on display somewhere in the UK as like being worn by Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. I don't think they know where it was worn either. It's all a bit of a mystery. Oh, that's funny. Well, you heard that, folks. Let's find out when that tunic was worn. I'm going to look into it, too, because now I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. We will solve so, this mystery. Yeah, I, I love a good mystery. So anything like that, um, we should dig into it. And, you know, feel free to to ping me on stuff. You know, it, it's it's good fun. Let's have use this good fun is, is the way I would look at it. There's so much stuff coming out. There are so many things to dig into. It's almost like prioritization at this point. Like what's the the thing that we can actually deliver and get out into the world now? That's a nice place to be. That's so yeah. that's so heartening to hear that after so many decades, there's still rich veins to mine. There are for sure. And, and I think you see that with, you know, Eric Levy and, and Led Zepp film and the Dogs of Doom group and the, the torrent, you know, which is perhaps not the best word of tapes <laughs> now. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a huge amount that, you know, has come out and is still to come out. And that to me is very exciting. So, yes, if, if it's a state of the union for Led Zeppelin, I would say that unofficially there's things going on. 
officially well forget it but there's there's independent <laughs> happening which is this, all we can expect from that ragtag band of misfits we call led zeppelin yeah you know they, yeah you know they, they they meet every quarter i believe and sit around and do something i don't know what release new t-shirts who knows <laughs> don't forget the skateboard Oh, yes, yeah, the snowboard and the shoes that came out for the 50th anniversary. Yeah, I was going to write like a review of Led Zeppelin's 50th anniversary and thought, no, that's a bit too mean and negative. <laughs> I can imagine some bridges burning. <laughs> yes, very much so. Excellent. All right, my friend, thank you so much for talking with us. And if there's anything that we didn't cover or if there's anything you don't want me to say, let me know. I'll, ch- I'll chop it out. No, we, we, you know, it's always a, a pleasure to check in, Mark, following your sort of previous chat. Um, I hope I hope everything is is well with you. And, and thank you for giving me the time to, to come on and chat. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Yay. All right. Well, I'll get this edited up and get it posted maybe today, if not definitely tomorrow. And yeah, whenever works, drop me an email. Um, so I'll sort of make sure to, to share the link and things like that. I'm going to send it weekly now uh so it'll probably be in the next week's email but i put it on twitter and, and facebook sort of whenever it's up just flag it with me and i make sure to share it fantastic thank you very much my pleasure my pleasure well look Mark, i'll leave it you there um i know you're still well I, I don't know are you hungover or not i'm not sure a little bit fuzzy <laughs> <laughs> very good very good it could be worse it could be worse well um, I better go to bed. It's it's gone nine PM here, and I, I start a new job tomorrow, so I better be bright and bushy-tailed in the morning. So I Excellent. shall leave you to it. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and best of luck at your new job. Thank you very much, um, Mark. We'll chat soon via email. I'm sure. Yes, sir. Good night. Cheers, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Heart of Markness Led Zeppelin podcast. That was cool. There's no one else doing what he's doing out there. He's taking his legitimate journalistic chops and applying them to the Led Zeppelin situation that we have before us, which is three old men never getting anything done. What the fuck's happening? Why does it take so long? I love this. For five bucks a month, just like Patreon, except it actually delivers deeper. It's a subscription service. Substack. Look them up. Ledsup.com or Let's Up News, Substack. Five bucks a month gets you all these great stories. They are very, very good. I can't say enough about them. James is a great human being. He loves the band. He's very, very smart, and he's approaching things in an angle that hasn't been used before, and it's yielding great results, much like Dogs of Doom did. So yay for this new blood. Yay for James. Yay for everything. Hooray! Hope everybody's happy. I will be back Thursday with a Led Zeppelin podcast. Hope you enjoy this. And subscribe to James. He's awesome. Real great resource for the community. Thank you, James. Thank you, everybody. Be good to yourselves and each other. Adios.